High Praise Podcast. Hey everybody, this is Pastor Joshua, lead pastor here at High Praise, and I want to thank you for downloading today's podcast. We know that this message is going to encourage and bless you. So I want you to open up your heart and receive what the Lord has for you today. Grab your Bible, go to Hebrews chapter 10. We're going to be continuing this series that uh, Apostle Robert started, that Dad started last week on Heart for the House. How many were blessed last week? How many were challenged a little bit last week? How many got your toes stepped on a little bit last week? All right, some of y'all aren't willing to admit that, but I know there was some toe stepping going on last week. There was some toe dancing going on last week, not just stepping. There was some dancing on some toes last week, and it was good. But I want to continue this, and I want to uh, continue to talk about this, having a heart for the house. How many know that it's important that you have a heart for the house of the Lord? It's important that you have a heart for the house of the Lord. It's important as believers, it shouldn't be drudgery when you wake up on Sunday morning to go to the house of the Lord and go to church. You should wake up excited to go to church. I'm going to say it again. You should wake up excited to go to church. Even on days when you don't feel like it, when your flesh doesn't feel like it. And you're going to have days your flesh doesn't feel like it. How many had a day your flesh said, I do not want to go today? How many was today that day? (laughs) All right, we got some honest people in the room. Even in those days where your flesh doesn't feel like it, your spirit man should still be excited to go to the house of the Lord. There should still be something inside of you that says, you know what? Today is the day the Lord has made, and I will rejoice and be glad in it. You shouldn't be sad to go to the house of the Lord. You should be glad to go to the house of the Lord. I love even within my kids, there's already this thing that's being just developed within them. Eliza all the time goes, is it church today? Is it church day today? Kat was talking to me earlier uh, this week and said that Liam gets upset when it's not church day. We need, we need some adults that get upset when it's not church day. Man, I, it's Thursday. I wish it was Sunday and it was church day. Dad alluded to it last week. I, I grew up just going to church a minimum on average of four times a week. Sometimes it was four times a day. Y'all think I'm playing. I'm serious. Sometimes you had conferences and you had a morning session and two afternoon sessions and an evening session. Evening sessions didn't go an hour and a half. They, yeah, we, we went to church into the next day. I ain't playing. I fell asleep. They, they, kids would start falling asleep and they'd just line them up along the walls. Am I telling the truth? Just start lining them up along the walls. We had this thing ingrained within us that we were to be in the house of the Lord and we were to love the house of the Lord. Listen, the reason that I love church today and I still love church isn't just because I'm a pastor and I'm in ministry. It's because believers should love the house of the Lord. You should love his house because get this, his house is also your house. How many of you love your home? After a long day of work, it's good to go home, right? We should feel the same way the house of the Lord after a long week of work, that it's good to go home, that it's good to be among the family of God that he's placed you in, and it's good to be with family. You need to be here because you need to be here. I know that sounds redundant, 
But you don't need to be here because you need to hear me preach or you need to hear Apostle Robert prophesy or you need to hear Pastor Paul prophesy or need to hear David or hear anybody else or you need to hear Pastor Castle lead worship. That's not why you need to be here. So you can hear the expression of what is coming from the platform. Now there is something inside of that for you. But you're not here for me. You're here because there's something for you. You're here because God has something he wants to do in your life. And get this, he wants to do something through your life. And the only way that it can be accomplished fully is by being planted and connected in a local church body. We're going to get to Hebrews 10 in just a minute. But a, a passage of scripture that everyone around here knows if you've been here any length of time is Psalm chapter 92, verse 13. It says, those who are planted, who are what? Come on, shout it out. Those who are planted in the house of the Lord will flourish in the courts of our God. Let me put it to you this way, real simply. Whenever you are planted in the house as a believer, you will flourish everywhere else you go. And it amazes me how many Christians want to flourish in their workplace without being planted in the house. How many want to have success in their family without being planted in the house? And what the Bible tells us, how many believe the Bible? How many believe the Bible? How many believe the psalmist? What he said is when you are planted in the house, then as a byproduct, you will flourish in the course. Uh, listen, I, I, I could go around this room and I could point out people that whenever they first came to this church, they were not people who were planted people. They didn't understand the importance of being in church. They didn't understand the importance of being connected to a body. And in the process of being here, God began to illuminate something in their life about being planted in the house of the Lord. And you can look at their lives now, and it turned around. And suddenly, where they didn't have success before, they found success. Is there a magic formula? No, it's just you get planted in the house... And God begins to do something in your life that causes you to bud and blossom and bear fruit. If you want to bear fruit, you have to get planted. Right? Seed will not... Hear me, hear me out real quick. Seed has all the capacity to bear fruit locked inside of it. All the capacity to bear fruit is locked inside of seed. But it is if that seed is not first planted, all the potential that the seed has will stay locked inside the seed. But once it is planted, there's an activation that begins to happen that then over a process of time, it begins to bud, it begins to blossom, and ultimately it bears fruit. But even inside, this isn't my message, but this is good, but even inside of that, there is a process of time. Some people come for a month and wonder why their entire life hasn't changed. The three-week challenge that we do isn't something that we say, do this for three weeks, and you're going to, all of a sudden, everything that God's ever promised you is going to happen. It's the beginning of a process. God said this in, in the book of Genesis, as long as the earth remains, seed time and harvest. And what we want is seed time harvest. We're planted. I've been here two weeks. I even only showed up 20 minutes late this week. <laughs> and I, I, I didn't even leave as early as I normally do. 
I only left when he told us to stand up. All right. And we expect harvest. But let me tell you how it normally works. Seed time harvest is like this. Seed time and time and then harvest. But here's the good news. If you remain planted and keep sowing seed in the process of time, you reach a point where you just reach harvest after harvest after harvest. And you're continually planting, but you are also continually harvesting. But you have to be faithful when things are developing and it looks like nothing is going on. The reason a plant has the, or a tree has the ability to produce fruit is because it has a strong root system. The root system is developed in places that no one sees. And we all want fruit, but we don't want the development that no one sees. You have to be planted, and even when it looks like nothing's going on to everyone else, you stay planted because God is doing something in your life that's going to cause you to stand strong. Come on, am I preaching to anybody today? It's going to cause you to stand strong. You have to be planted. You have to have a heart for the house. Well, pastor, I don't believe you have to be, you have to go to church to be a Christian. I never said that. You can absolutely be a Christian and not go to church. There is no requirement on Christianity that if you are born again, you must, or let me put it this way, that you must go to church in order to be born again. However, believers should go to church. You can be born again and not reach your full potential. And one of the places that you reach full potential, one of the ways you reach it, is by being planted in the house. Everybody with me? Hebrews chapter 10, let's read this. Verse 23. Let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who has promised is faithful. Somebody shout faithful. And let us consider how to provoke one another to love and good deeds. Not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. Very familiar passage of scripture here in Hebrews, and, and we are admonished here to not neglect meeting together. A lot of translations say assembling together. I like meet together because we just know what that means a lot better. That we are encouraged and admonished and commanded to meet together. Which, by the way, we can see here, even in the New Testament, it was a problem that some people just thought they didn't need to get together. That's why the writer of Hebrews is addressing it. Forsake not. In other words, you better do this. You need to do this. Don't neglect meeting together. Don't neglect meeting together. And by the way you look throughout the book of Acts, you'll see that they talk about they went from house to house, breaking bread and continuing in the apostles' doctrine. Some people have taken that and said, well, what that means is we just need to go house to house and we don't need to meet together. Well, one, where do you think they were hearing the apostles' doctrine to continue in it from house to house? And two, we see throughout the book of Acts, we, we, we like to cherry pick scriptures. But can I tell you something? The Bible is not a buffet where you get to pick what you want to eat. 
You, you, know, you know the places you go that are buffets and you get to pick what you want to eat? Most of the time, if you're a buffet person, don't feel insulted, I'm sorry. Most of the time, it is low-quality food. It is processed. There is not a chef in the back that is cooking that. There is somebody that has thrown something in an oven at best and put it out on a bar that other people are sneezing on. Just now nobody's golden going golden corral for lunch now. Just ruined it for you. And I've been to places like that. As a matter of fact, in those early days of my life, whenever we were traveling, we ate at a lot of buffets. It's probably why I don't like them today. Ate at a lot of buffets, a lot of Ryan's steakhouses. Anybody know anything about Ryan's steakhouse? Shoney's. You know, am I talking to anybody to this tonight? This morning? Excuse me. Shoney's with the bear. And uh, now, as I've gotten older, I've had the opportunity, I've had some people take me, and, and Pastor Miranda, I've gone to some very nice restaurants that have menus where you just order, I want this menu. And you don't have an option as to what you get. The chef brings you what he feels is the best thing that they have on their menu and they'll bring you 10 or 12 courses in a tasting menu and the quality of the ingredients is much higher in the thing that I don't get a say in what I eat and I just eat what's put in front of me versus Golden Corral that's processed and has 8 million preservatives in it and if you give me the choice of the two, I am not picking Ryan's or Shoney's or Golden Corral. And there's a lot of believers here, that's where I'm going, that are not properly nourished because they treat the Bible like it's a buffet. And it's not a buffet, it's a fine dining meal that's been prepared and set in front of you for you to partake of. So listen, listen, you can look at it and you can go, Oh, well, it just means house to house, and we don't assemble together. The problem is there's scriptures that tell us in the New Testament to assemble together. It talks about them in, in, in Solomon's colony, in his portico, which was an assembly. It was a church. We see it was Jesus' custom to go to, this, to go to the synagogue. Dad talked about, I think, last week, even the Apostle Paul in the New Testament, whenever he would travel and minister, if there wasn't a New Testament church for him to attend in the city he was in, he would go to the synagogue, and he wasn't even called to the Jews. It was his custom. Let it become our custom to be in the house of the Lord. Now listen, this might seem simplistic, but one of the core values of this church is we believe the local church body is important. And we're not just saying that because we're a church. Listen, conferences are great. We had a conference a couple of weeks ago, Newbury Conference. Some people come from, from uh, Georgia and from Arkansas and from uh, other places. And, and, and they came and received, were ministered to. Conferences are great. Revival meetings are great. I love all of that. That's wonderful. Personal devotion is great. That's needed. But none of those replace the gathering of the local church. I closed the conference, the Newbury conference. I closed it. And one of the last things that I told all of those kids before they left, you go and you be in your home church on Sunday. And if you don't have one, find one. Find one. 
because the local church is important. And let me let you in on a little secret. The local church is not the plan B that God had. Some people have taught theologically God had a plan, that plan didn't work out, so then he called an audible and went with his safety school. Right? Y'all know what I'm talking about when I say safety school? You applied to Harvard, but you also have Gulf Coast that you applied to as well. Not knocking Gulf Coast, I'm just saying. It's not a little easier to get in there than it is to get into Harvard. The church wasn't God's safety school. It wasn't his plan B. The local church was ordained and destined before the foundations of the world. God called the church before the very foundations of the world. Do you understand that? This wasn't like, oh man, first thing didn't work out. We scrambled together and find a different plan. This was always God's plan. You were always part of God's plan. High praise was always part of God's plan. We didn't know it. But God knew it was part of the plan. You may not have known that on August, whatever it is today, 2022, what is it? August 14th, it's your birthday, happy birthday. On August 14th, 2022, that God was gonna call you to be here and be plugged and plugged in and planted, but God knew. God knew his plan. God knew what he was doing, and the church was ordained before the foundation of time. And if God says the church is important, I'm not going to argue with him. I'm going to even go a step further and say it's not just the church universal that's important, but the local church body is important. We can't neglect the church. And this is more than just a weekly thing that you go and you get something and you feel good about going to church and you check it off your list. Go about your week. The church is a living organism. It's a living organism. It's growing. It's changing. It's having an impact. The church is alive. The church is alive. It is a living thing that is growing, and you're a part of it. The church is a body. Bodies are living. I want to read a quote to you. They're going to throw it up on the screen for me. I want to read this quote to you from one of my favorite theologians, N.T. Wright. He says this, The church exists primarily for two closely correlated purposes worship God and to work for his kingdom in the world. The church exists primarily for two closely correlated purposes, to worship God and to work for his kingdom in the world. This is why the church is important. It provides a place for us to worship as a collective, as a body, as a family, but it also becomes the epicenter for kingdom work in the earth. I, I, I'm going to get honest with you. I, I get a little perturbed sometimes with kingdom people who don't place value on the local church because the local church is the epicenter of kingdom work that is being done within the earth. As a matter of fact, I would go as far as to say without the local church, very little kingdom work would be done. I'm going to say that again. Some of y'all having to chew on it. Without the local church, very little kingdom work would actually be done. Because whenever Jesus ascended, one of the first things he does, one of the first things that happens, he sends the Holy Spirit, which births the church, and they start meeting together. They start assembling together. The local church is born. 
As soon as Jesus is gone, agenda one, Holy Spirit, which gives us the power for the birthing of the local church. Let's talk about these a little bit this morning. Worship. Y'all hear this sometimes, this phrase, right? Houses of worship are a house of worship. We heard a lot through 2020, there was a lot of argument about houses of worship and if they were essential or non-essential and all that. And by the way, houses of worship are absolutely essential. They are absolutely essential. It's incredibly essential. I need it. You need it. Some of y'all get mean if you don't come to church. You need the church. Your spouse is really glad you came today. You need the church. The ones of y'all who are laughing real hard, y'all are the ones who I'm just talking about. <laughs> y'all know I'm playing. We can and we should worship with our lives. You know, every day you should worship with your life, with your lifestyle, with the way that you live. But this is a place where we come and we collectively worship together. Well, pastor, don't you know that I can worship wherever I am? Absolutely. I'm not arguing with you. You can and you should. We talked about this on Wednesday night, which, by the way, if you're not coming out on Wednesday nights for our Praise Power series, you need to come out. You need to be here. You need to get your kids here for New Breed. You need to get your kids, your elementary age kids here for our classes that we have on Wednesday nights. You need to be here for prayer at 630. You need to make sure you're here. And the church said, amen. Hey, that's more people that amen that normally come. So I expect to see y'all on Wednesday night. <laughs> We talked about this at Praise Power on Wednesday night. Jesus with the woman at the well. She goes, well, some people say we're supposed to worship here. Other people say we're supposed to worship there. And Jesus says, listen, the hour is coming where, where, where people will worship me in spirit and in truth. Jesus was saying that it doesn't matter where you're worshiping. What matters is your heart positioning. So I'm not arguing with you. You can worship wherever. You should worship in your car. If you haven't worshipped in your car and been in a red light and had somebody look at you funny yet, you need to have that experience. Anybody had that experience before? Getting after it. Somebody look, some of y'all are saying other things and had people look at you funny. You need to have the experience with worship where you're just getting after it. Hands lifted, tears streaming down your face, people looking at you. You can worship wherever. You can worship in your shower. How many of y'all, some of y'all got some shower praise going on. Just don't dance too much. That's dangerous. Just stay here. Maybe a side to side step very slowly. You can worship wherever you are. But there is something about the synergistic power that begins to be released when we worship together. Deuteronomy chapter 3, verse 20 is very familiar. It says this, that one can chase a thousand, but two put 10,000 to flight. Listen, you don't need Pastor Castle or Pastor Miranda to lead you in worship or Pastor Selena or anybody else who's up here leading. You don't need them to lead you in worship for you to worship. But whenever you begin to join in with everyone else, there's an amplification of the power of your worship. That begins to happen. There is an increased productivity and intensity when we worship together. I've worshiped alone and it can be great, but it's a lot better to worship with the saints of God. There is increased effectiveness when we worship together. It is amplified to a greater degree. We turn it up to 11. 
So I'm gonna, let me give you an example real quick. How many appreciate Mark and, and Caitlin who play guitar back here, play electric guitar? They do such a wonderful job. Excellent. They both just, we'll use, they can shred. They can get after it. But here's the thing. They can sit with their guitar unplugged and they can play it and you can hear it if you're close enough. If you're close enough. I played bass for years. I still, I was telling Jeff and Holly before service, I said sometimes I'll still sit around and I'll put it on my leg so I don't have the weight on my shoulder and I'll play the bass a little bit until my fingers start hurting because I don't have calluses built up anymore. And uh, you can hear it a little bit. A few people can. But if I sat right here or if Mark or Caitlin came up here and they just started playing their guitar with it unplugged, you would hear it if you're right on top of it. But the moment they plug that thing in, everybody can hear it. Everybody can hear it. Everybody in this room can hear it. Come up here, Caitlin. Come on, quick. Come up here, Caitlin. Can y'all unmute Caitlin's channel? Grab, grab your guitar. Yeah, I want you to grab the guitar. This isn't rehearsed, so y'all just hang with us. So I want, I want you just to see what I'm illustrating for you. So Caitlin, you're not, leave it off right now. Just turn it down, do whatever you need to do so it's not amplified. Unplug it. Muter. All right, you unplugged? Play. So she's playing right now. I can hear her strumming a little bit. The further back you get, you're not going to hear anything, right? Anybody in the back, can y'all hear her? In the front row here? Now plug in, Caitlin, and let it go. Let it go. All right. We're... Y'all hear that? Y'all give Caitlin a hand real quick. to see your worship Caitlin could hear what she was playing whenever she was up there wherever it was plugged in she could hear herself right you can hear what you're playing Caitlin when you're not plugged in she can hear what she's playing but nobody else is hearing it so listen whenever you worship by yourself you are edifying you're building yourself up and that's wonderful and that's great but whenever we come together that thing gets plugged in and it gets amplified to such a degree that it's not just listen it's not just for you it's for everybody in the room your worship whenever we worship together isn't just impacting you it's impacting everyone because we all become partakers together as we worship together whenever steve's up here playing listen steve will go in the bathroom during the week and play his horn cleave asked morning says he playing on the toilet i said he's just playing in the bathroom there's good acoustics in there He wasn't blowing and blowing. He was. <laughs> Steve will go and he'll, he'll, it's because there's good acoustics in the bathroom. That's band directors. Y'all probably told people practice in bathrooms. They're nodding their heads. Practice in bathrooms. That's what they tell them. So Steve's just being obedient and he's got that drilled in him. That's what he's doing. So Steve, Steve will go play his trumpet in the bathroom sometimes during the week to practice. 
and we can hear Steve a little bit, but we are blessed a lot more by Steve when he's up here and he's mic'd and he's on the microphone and he's playing. And all of a sudden, it's Steve's not just playing for Steve. And Steve's worship isn't just impacting Steve. It's impacting everybody in the room. Listen, you may feel like you're insignificant whenever you lift your hands and you sing and you dance. And whenever we gather together, your worship is impacting other people. That's why it's important that we worship together. Your worship is amplified. Listen, whenever we receive the word together, I believe our ability to receive is amplified. Y'all with there's exponential increase of effectiveness and power as we move and as we worship together. Now, the next thing that, that's talked to, that, that N.T. mentioned, those two purposes, worship God and to work for his kingdom. It's wonderful to worship together, okay? It's wonderful to worship together, but that is not the only reason we're part of the local church. We are also part of the church to work. Ephesians chapter 4 is very familiar. It says this, he, give, uh, he gifts, excuse me, the gifts he gave were that some would be apostles, some prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers to equip the saints for what? The work of the ministry for building up the body of Christ. You come to, the church, come to church to be equipped to work. I know we don't like that word. We want to come to church to be blessed. And you do come to church to be blessed. But you were blessed so you can be equipped to do something. And let me just say this. Whenever you do something, you will be even blessed to a greater degree. Jesus said this, that it is better to give than it is to receive. I said, Jesus said it's better to give than it is to receive. You have something to receive but God also puts something in you to give. Listen, my, my, my job is, is, as your pastor isn't just to make you feel good. My job is to equip you for what God has called you to do for the work of ministry. Ministry is not just for pastors. As a matter of fact, the, the, we don't want to get too far down this road, but the work of the ministry isn't, doesn't even say that it's for apostles, pastors, prophets, evangelists, and teachers. It says that, uh, that the fivefold ministry is put in the church to equip the saints for the work. My job is to equip. That is my work. My work is equipping. And then what happens is everyone who is part of this body goes out into the highways and hedges and does the kingdom work that you're called to do. We have to rethink ministry altogether. Every believer is called to be a minister. You have something to give. You have someone to minister to. You have a ministry that God has placed inside of you, one inside of the church, but two outside of the church. Are y'all with me? Nakia is here on the front row. Nakia is the principal of middle and high school at North Bay Haven, which we are so, that's so, it's incredible. Can y'all give Nakia a hand? She's awesome. <clears throat> and Nakia has a work that she does in the house. She was up here singing this morning, which we were blessed by. She prophesied this morning. She's on ministry team. She does all kinds of stuff. She works in the house. But listen, it's not just I work in the house and then I have a job at North Bay Haven. 
And she has this revelation that God placed her there for a reason and a purpose. And her, her work is also her ministry. Come on, somebody. What would happen if you changed the way that you thought? And you didn't just view your work as a nine-to-five drudgery that you go to because you've got to pay bills. And you started to actually shift the way that you thought. And when God placed me here for a purpose, because there's something that he has for me to give everywhere that I go. And there's people in here that need something that God has placed inside of me. You're here to be equipped to work. Bill Heibel said this, the local church is the hope of the world. The local church is the hope of the world. Well, Jesus is the hope of the world. Absolutely. And guess who the hands and feet of Jesus in the world are? The local church. The local church. If, if the local church, if churches all across America shut down tomorrow, you thought we were in a bad place now. Just give it about three hours. Give it a couple weeks. And watch the deterioration and how quickly it would happen. Because people are not being equipped to work the way God has called them to work. God is equipping you to be an agent of redemption. I'm going to say that again. God is equipping you to be an agent of redemption. I mean, it's your called to be, it's your, you're called to be an agent of redemption. I mean, we are called to be conformed to the image of who? The image of who? Christ, Jesus, the anointed one, who is our redeemer. And if you're called to be conformed to his image, you will become an agent of redemption. And things will begin to change everywhere that you go. You know that one of the promises of Revelation is he's going to make all things new. He's going to make all things new. And by the way, God is going to use you in the process of making all things new. I'm going to say it again. God is going to use you in the process of making all things new. You are called to be an agent of redemption. When we're committed to a local body, we're equipped to fulfill the work, the purpose that God has for us. Now, I want to talk about one more thing real quick, and I'm going to let you all go. I'm not going to go much longer, I promise. Throw that last quote on the screen for me. N.T. continues, and he says this. The church also exists for a third purpose, which serves the other two, to encourage one another. I mean, to encourage one another, you've got to be here. To build one another up in faith. To pray with and for one another. To learn from one another and teach one another. This is all part of what is loosely, no, loosely as fellowship. Somebody shout fellowship. I like to use a different word other than fellowship, and that is this, family. Family. While worship and work are important, there's this other imperative part of the local body that can't be ignored, and it's family. And whenever I say family, I'm not just talking about your flesh and blood family. I'm talking about people that God has knit you with, that they're not just people you go to church with. They're family. There's covenant that is made as you're part of a body. I, I was talking to Castle and, and Travis a couple weeks ago at lunch. There's this saying that we say in our American uh, uh, vernacular all the time. We say this, that blood is thicker than water. Have you ever heard that before? Blood is thicker than water. What it means is family above all else. That's not the quote. That is not the original quote. 
we have taken it and we have made it something that it actually never was. The actual quote is this, that the blood of the covenant is thicker than the water of the womb. That's the actual quote. The blood of the covenant is thicker than the water of the womb. That's the original quote, that we get blood is thicker than water, and we've taken it and made it mean something completely different than what it meant. Now listen, I'm not coming against family. Y'all know that. I'm going to talk about family in a minute. But what I'm saying is God will join you with people that even though they may not be people that you came from the same womb or the same lineage or the same physical bloodline, but those people are family to you. There's people in this room right now, there's a lot of people in this room that to me, if I'm in a foxhole, I want them there with me. They've been in foxholes with me, and I've been in foxholes with them. And I know if I've got a problem and I need something, that I can call Pastor Gill and Ruthie Sanchez. They're family. And I don't mean that in some just throwaway. They're family. Pastor Paul is family. I've known them for, I've known y'all for 25 years. I've known Pastor Paul longer than that. But we've been really close for 25 years. These people are family. And God wants to give you in a local church body, he wants to give you family. He wants you to get connected to where it's not just a place you go to church, but it's a family that you're a part of. I say this all, I say this all the time in Orlando, and I've said it a couple of times here. I'm going to say it a lot more. Church is nothing if not a family. Church is nothing if not a family. If we can't get family right, we're not going to get worship right, and we're not going to get work right. We've got to get family right. We are called to be a church family. And by the way, let me say this different road a little bit, but if you're going to be a part of a family, you're going to have to learn to get over a fence. You know, the biggest reason people leave churches is not because God led them somewhere else. It's because you got offended. And if you're in a family, you have to learn to get over and push past a fence. How many married people we got in the house? How many of all of your spouse ever offended you? All right, how many of your spouse offended you this week? Y'all better keep your hands up. Right, that's it, probably. This is the reality. This is the reality. The people that are closest to you are given the greatest opportunity to hurt and offend you. Listen, I've, I've been driving down the road before and had people tell me that I'm number one with the wrong finger. How many of y'all ever been told you're number one before, all right? And you know what? I don't know those people. It doesn't bother me. You kind of just smirk at it, wave at them, go, hey, how you doing? And just keep on going about your day. It doesn't bother you because there's no relationship with them. I've had people that are close to me do things far less egregious than that. And it wound me because relationship gives the ability to be wounded. But you know what you have to do? You have to push past being hurt and offended, and you have to forgive, you have to heal, and you have to move on. Hmm? That's what family does. 
Another thing about families, families are, families are multi-generational. And church bodies have to be multi-generational. You show me a church that is only full of people who are over the age of 60, and I will show you a church that's not going to be around for very long. You show me a church that is full of people under the age of 60, I'm going to show you a church that's going to be doing a lot of crazy stuff. You have to have multiple generations in a church. Because if a church is a family, it will be full of generations. I'm thankful this morning. My grandfather's right here, my grandmother, my mom and my dad are right here. Myself, my wife, our son, and our three daughters are over in the other room. We have four generations in my family that are here this morning. And by the way, are here every single week. And that's the way God ordained it to be, for churches to be multi-generational. Because guess what? There is wisdom an older generation has that a younger generation needs to receive. But there is some tenacity and some energy that a younger generation has to run that maybe an older generation doesn't have as, as strongly anymore. Not insulting anybody at all. Every generation plays their role and their part, and we need each other. And for a long time in the church, there's been this generational divide and gap. And by the way, the generation gap didn't come from God. Doesn't mean you're always going to agree. Doesn't mean you're always going to do things the same way. My dad's on the front row. Y'all know Apostle Robert. Sometimes I say, or he says tomato, and I say tomato. Quite often. Sometimes he says potato, and I say potato. But you know what? We're talking about the same thing. Come on, we're talking about the same thing. The way that we pronounce it might be a little bit different. Our methodology might be a little bit different. The way we implement things might be a little bit different. But at the end of the day, we have the same goal. We have the same end. We have the same vision, and we're trying to hit the same target. We just might think about it a little bit differently, and that's okay because we learn from each other. As iron sharpens iron, you know, when iron sharpens iron, there's sparks sometimes, but it gets stronger. I know that the younger generation might do things a little bit differently than you. That's okay. Guess what? You did things differently than the generation who came before you. Every generation has its own unique voice, has its own unique things to it that's been formed by a litany of different experiences. But the reality is we're all on the same goal. We're all going for the same thing. We're all operating in unity. Y'all have heard me say this before, but unity can only operate inside of the confines of diversity. Let me say that again. Unity can only operate inside the confines of diversity because anything other, if there is no diversity, it's not unity, it's conformity. We all want unity, but we don't want anything that's not like us. You don't want unity. You want conformity. You want people to think like you, act like you, talk like you, want what you want. That's not unity. Unity says if it goes for the same goal, it might look different, sound different, but that's okay. Because it's reaching the same goal. Y'all with me? I'm wrapping up, I promise. We have to be family. If we worship well and we work well, but we aren't fulfilling the role of a local church family, 
we're not hitting the mark. And as a body, we live together. I say this all the time. We don't just go to church together. We do life together. We don't just go to church together. We do life together. Which means if you're going through something, I don't want you to go through it alone. Say it again. If you're going through something, I don't want you to go through it alone. And you don't have to go through it alone. Because there's other people who are here who will fight with you and fight for you. That they'll stand alongside you and say, well, I've heard dad said it for years. If the devil comes against you, he's not just coming at you. He's coming at all of us. And we're going to fight together. We're going to war together. Listen, we're going to laugh together. We're going to pray together. We're going to worship together. We're going to love it because that's what family is. And we have to be church family. I don't want this just to be a church that you come to. I want it to be a family that you belong to. It's not just a church you go to. It's a family that you belong to. Like I said, there's people in this room, people like, like Gil and Ruthie, like Paul, like David and Libby, like, uh, I don't know if Miss Alta's here this morning. I've missed Miss Alta. If I'm missing any of some people that have been here for 25 years, 20 plus years. These people are family. We've been through some things. We've seen some things. But I can tell you, there's some people in the body now that I haven't known as long, but there's already a bonding that is going on. There's already family that is being formed. Hearts are being linked together. But listen, that won't happen if you don't show up. If you don't show up, you won't become family. And whenever you show up, there's something that begins to happen. By the way, when I say show up, I don't mean show up one Sunday a month. Come on, don't shout me down. When the doors are open, when the doors are open, you're here. You're planted. You're plugged in. By the way, when stuff is going on outside of services and there's chances to go, be locked in a room and escape. You show up. When there's chances to go take your kids and play at Chick-fil-A, you go and you connect and you show up. That's family. That's doing life together. Listen, you need other people. I'm closing. I'm done. You need other people. The me and the, the, the me and Jesus and nobody else mentality is not biblical. Just straight up, it's not biblical. You need other people. You can't accomplish what God's called you to accomplish by yourself. You've got to have other people. Come on, band. You need me said, you need me, and I need you. Come on, somebody. We all need each other. That's what family is. Family needs each other. I want to encourage you. I was I told uh, everybody on Wednesday night, they'll tell you there's two times of the year that people reset. One is in January, New Year. People make New Year's resolutions. Gonna get, I'm going to go back to church. And the other one is right when school starts, right? Which is where we're at right now. And I want to encourage you, if you haven't been somebody who's been planted, who's been connected, who's allowed roots to go deep, I'm not here rebuking you or getting on to you today. It's not what I'm doing. What I'm doing is I'm inviting you and encouraging you to let roots go down. Let roots go down. 
The enemy wants to tell you you're being rebuked today. You're not being rebuked today. You're being encouraged. You're being told this is what can happen in your life if you allow this to happen in your life. Get connected. Let God give you a heart for the house. Let him give you a heart for his house. Let him give you a heart for your local church to where it's something that you actually get excited about. That we come and we worship together. We work together. And we're family together. And we let God do an incredible work in our lives. Will you stand up to your feet this morning? Come on, just lift your hands to heaven this morning. I want you to pray with me. Say, Father, I thank you today for your house. I make a commitment today that I'm going to get planted, that I'm going to get plugged in, that I'm going to allow my roots to go deep, that we're going to worship together, that we're going to work together, and we're going to be family together. And as I make this commitment, I thank you, Holy Spirit, that I'm going to bud, that I'm going to blossom, that I'm going to bear fruit like I never have before. I thank you for it, and I praise you today in Jesus' name. Come on, can you give the Lord a hand of praise this morning? Thanks again for downloading this podcast. We trust that this message has blessed, encouraged, and edified you. Make sure you subscribe so you never miss a message here from High Praise. Also, you can follow us on social media, on Facebook, and on Instagram. And don't forget to go subscribe to our YouTube channel. We'll be back soon with another incredible message. God bless you and have a great week.